Happy New Year's. Uh, welcome to 2019. First episode of, uh, of Overanalyze in 2019. And um, Alec and I just want to wish you guys a Happy New Year's. Uh, we hope you had a good 2018. I don't like how he speaks for me here. I don't want you to have a great New Year. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> I, I I am not a big fan of the whole New Year thing because I'm like, it's just another day. Why do we make such a big transition about this day? But, you know, if it makes people get their crap together and and feel rejuvenated, then I can't take that away from you. So have a great New Year, guys. Yeah, well... I, I, I'm just... I don't know. I'm weird about New Year's. Yeah, I mean, it is just another day. Man, this is... All right. I was not anticipating of talking about this, but this is interesting. I personally do <laughs> like the cyclical pattern of a year. You know, you can you can live in a, t- you know, non-cyclical, continuous timeline of living life until you're dead if you want, but I would like to actually, uh, I don't know, there's an important aspect of renewing, right? Kind of recycling. Mm -hmm. And then you sort of, you have a moment like today or yesterday where you kind of pause and reflect on what happened last year and then setting goals or whatever for next year. Um, I don't know. I I think that's a pretty big deal. As I've gotten older, I agree with you more and more. So I've been doing more goal setting and more like year review kind of stuff and not so much making new year resolutions uh, as much as using it as a time to reflect on like what I want the next year to look like. Like go and listen to Cortex if you want to hear about like yearly themes and things like that. They do a really good job about that and I think it's pretty interesting. But um, it's a for me it's like about September time frame I'll start thinking about the next year usually i mean i might think about it before then obviously but it's like september i start really thinking about like okay like here here's where i am on the goals i set for this year what's realistically going to happen in the end and then trying to figure out how like the next year is going to go and then in december proper your goals are pretty much done usually because there's just so much happening with family and and whatnot with the holidays that you're probably not going to get much further with your personal goals in december but you can spend some time, I guess, thinking about the next year and being reflective. So actually, one of my goals for today after this this recording is to post my 2018 review and my 2019 goals um, blog post. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I've gotten more into it. I've gotten more into it. I just like, I used to hate the parties as a kid. Like, I kid you not, as a kid, I would uh, be at the party and I would go to the bathroom right before the ball would drop. So I wouldn't be around all the hoopla. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and I just like stand in there, like I'm not actually like. <laughs> it's part of the uh, uh, awkward antisocial Alec when uh, the, yeah. the youth, the youngin Alec. Yeah, that was a real That's thing great. I used to do. So I, I I'm being facetious. I hope everyone has a fantastic 2019. If anything happened bad in 2018, uh, you know, I'm sorry to hear that, and hopefully there's less bad things in in 2019 for all of us. Sounds good. All right, man. Let's get into the main topic, I guess. Mm-hmm. We have uh, June over here, going to be the summarizer-in-chief, and uh, kind of kick us off. All right, I'll do my best. Uh, basically, the the first thing we wanted to talk about uh, was really this new bill in Maryland. Well, relatively new. It was, I think it was passed in May, but uh, it's called the HB 281, and uh, it's basically a bill that now requires... Uh, 
um, a lot of different things in Maryland regarding education and computer science. So, for example, the legislation requires public high schools to offer at least one high-quality computer science course. And high-quality is in air quotes. Um, uh, but uh, we'll keep talking. We'll get to that in a bit, but it also requires county boards to make every effort to add computer science to elementary and middle schools with a focus on diversity. It's going to increase the number of computer science teachers and creates the Maryland Center for Computer Education, whatever that is, and it puts aside basically, I think, $2 million um, to do the uh, teacher education and the Maryland Center for Community Education, and then I think $5 million in general to get, uh, to get basically every public school a computer science class. So in total, I, th- I suppose $7 million for the bill. And I guess the timeline looks to be 2021 to 2022, so a couple years out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we have thoughts about this. It is. It seems like a good thing. It had some a little bit of bipartisan support, mostly Democrats, and then there were two Republicans. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the nature of yes of the beast, though, in, in Maryland. So, sure, sure, it's pretty much a full representation, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, anyways, um, in a nutshell, that's that's basically what the bill does. I think, in general, uh, I well, I'll, I'll let Alex start. How about that? So it started off in July 2018. Like, it's already underway. Um, it got enacted then. So we're in the middle of it. Um, I haven't heard too many updates about how it's going. Um, but I think overall, it's a good idea. The thing that I worry about, like my overall issue when I heard about all this, is first of all, $7 million doesn't sound like too much doesn't sound like a, a doubling down on creating computer science and making Maryland a, a center of excellence of computer science education and all that good stuff. Um, but it, more importantly, I think, and I think this might apply to education in general, but even specifically in the computer science sense, um, I don't think the way they're going about it is sustainable. Um, I think one of the biggest issues they have with computer science education is once you create a teacher um, capable of teaching at a high level computer science, they'll uh, likely get the itch to do computer science professionally uh, in a non-teaching environment so that they can get a bigger paycheck, you know, provide more for their family, et cetera. And then you just end up being in this constant cycle of training up somebody to teach it. And this this even applies at the university level. You can see this happening at universities where people are decide not to teach at university and go into private industry because there's more money there so it's just like something i think about and i think to myself there has to be a way um, to do computer science education in a sustainable way that's not only effective to teach but also sets up a foundation for many years to come yeah well did you take computer science in high school i i did i fell into it and basically it was taught by uh, one of the math teachers who like happened to learn this stuff, but I don't think he ever, he never considered himself particularly, um, you know, like a wizard or anything. He kind of like self-taught himself with the book. The same, like the same way we learned is basically how he learned is my understanding. Um, but I did learn a lot in that class. I learned all the fundamentals and that was hugely beneficial going into college and starting my computer engineering degree. Um, 
when I had to take the, the introductory to computer science class, it was pretty straightforward because I had already been made familiar with those concepts. It was just a matter of learning Python. What about you, June? Did you have a computer science course? I did. We, well, I was some buddies of mine and uh, we used to play video games a lot. <laughs> yeah, we used to do questionable um, activities related to various substances. Well, just one in particular. Um, I was not participate uh, participant in it, but um, we used to play video games a lot together. So um, I remember we just all signed up for it because it was, you know, the open house course. Uh, you could just sort of choose what you want to take next year, and all the teachers kind of open up their classrooms, and you can talk to them and see what see what the class is about. And computer science was. Uh, one of them, and I thought that was kind of neat. I like computers. Um, there was a point where, you know, I was already kind of messing around, building my own, you know, setups. Um, so it was it was something I was naturally gravitating to. And then I actually took three years of computer science in high school. So my senior year of high school, they didn't have another course there. There were only really technically two classes there was like a a regular one and then i think they had the ap one so oh that's interesting yeah so then the third year they were they were like uh what are we gonna do with this guy he wants to keep taking computer science (laughs) so (laughs) basically they set up an independent study type of course um with computer science for me and actually three other guys so um they were all my friends still and we kind of just stuck with it um and basically all we did was make video games. <laughs> and the great thing was, uh, mm-hmm. the great thing was like, we would have subs, substitute teachers come in sometimes and they just watch, they just see us playing these like very crudely made games. And they're like, are you, are you guys supposed to like play games right now? <laughs> and we were like, yep. <laughs> we made it. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm supposed to do right now <laughs> in this, you know, 50 minute class. <laughs> so that was really cool. I'm curious, um, so you said it was you and like three other guys. Were there any women in your computer science arc in high school? Yeah, actually, I think there were two. Not in the senior year class, um, but there were two. I mean, out of a class of maybe, oh, I don't know, like the first computer science class I took was probably like 20-ish students. There were two. So, you know. Sounds about right. Yeah, unfortunately. But... I don't know. I'm I'm kind of curious if I go back, what what that number would look like. I'm afraid it's probably similar. Hopefully, it's better, but probably similar. Yeah, we had one in my computer science class, which was an AP uh, computer science class. Mm. I was a little surprised to hear that you had a non-AP version because I feel like the AP curriculum provides a set path, you know, mm-hmm. for programming. And I don't know how you can like really dumb it down, you know, like I couldn't. I don't know how you could, I guess you cover less things in the year, so to speak, but I don't remember exactly, uh, man, it's, 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 it was so long ago, you know, that trying to remember what exactly was taught in each course was a little hard, but I do recall learning about things like, this is really fundamentally how a computer works. You've got a CPU, you've got some memory, uh, you've got, you know, a hard disk. These are how bits and bytes work and nibbles and, you know. So we learned about a lot of the stuff that I don't know if it was part of 
computer science AP class. You know what I mean? It was just super fundamentals of um, computing, computers, and I don't know. I think I think the first course was just look for people literally who don't know anything about computers to getting them to write maybe their first couple programs and learning about you know what a computer is. If if you think about it, it's probably more friendly, right? You get someone into computers that way, and then they're maybe more willing to take the AP version next year, and um, maybe then I don't know, do something with computer science. I think one of the biggest issues in computer science right now is there's a big disparity in these introductory classes. You have like the nerds who. Um, have already been programming on their own, think they know everything, and, and in a way do for that first class, they do know everything. They, they've done it already up before, but I think it kind of puts on their blinders, like thinking about it from a college perspective. Sometimes these people who come in, guns a-blazing, have been programming for a while, they, um, they don't figure out when they need to tune in to the class, <laughs> you know, and they kind of go off um, to the races doing things the way they've already always done it, and they actually don't learn necessarily what the teachers are trying to teach them and like maybe like good practices. I noticed that at least in my computer science education in college, there were some people and also it's, I think it's intimidating to people who are coming in fresh um, where you have some like seasoned programmers. Maybe they took the AP course like I did, uh, but other people came in that, you know, had VI open 24 <laughs> seven kind of, kind of people, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like they just have been programming and they're always programming and they kind of fit that stereotype. Um, and I feel like it's interesting and, and uh, an interesting social dynamic. I think it's primarily in computing. Um, correct me if you th- if you think I'm wrong here, but I think in computing, it's like the number one exp- uh, time you'll see that, or you'll see like a kid who has already thought about it. You know, is, is way far ahead, um, and it could be very intimidating. Like I don't think anyone's becoming an economics wizard or like an AP right history wizard as much. Um, where they kind of come into a class and, and kind of can overtake it in a way. Yeah, a lot of that has to do with access. And it gets into, um, right, our main topic, which is, you know, how effective is really to offer these computer science courses. Um, and personally, like like you were saying, you know, uh, people even nowadays, especially computer science is just so mm, prevalent uh, you got a lot of people who want to learn about it later in life or ch- change their career entirely. Uh, but the ability to just pick up fundamental concepts of computer science and maybe some programming languages along the way, that's so easy. You could do that on your own. You don't need to take an official course. And I think that's the beauty of computer science in many ways. Whereas you're right, um, I, I, I'm not saying it's impossible, but... Yeah, I just don't ever hear about people becoming, I don't know, um, you know, biologists by themselves, right? <laughs> um, granted, I think yes, the tools required yeah. go a long way. I mean, if you're going to be a chemist or a biologist, you need labs. You need to do, you know, complex maybe experiments or things, something like that. Like computer science, you need a computer. And guess what? Everybody has a computer. So, you know, it's just um, I think the access and the tools um, you know, you need the internet. So boom, done, right? Everybody has the internet. So I think, um, these kinds of, uh, it, it just put, sets up computer science to be a very accessible type of thing. And yeah, I mean, 
I think there's some guidelines on, you know, how it makes me wonder how they're going to find teachers for these things. Switching gears just a little bit, but the whole thing was $7 million for this whole bill, which by the way, uh, we were talking earlier, but $7 million sounds like a drop in the bucket for a whole state. Maryland's not that big, but still $7 million. That that sounds like, you know, that sounds like nothing. And mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure, you know, how are they going to find high quality, whatever, still, whatever that means, but high quality teachers I mean, are they going to be competitively compensated, right? Like, you got a guy who can teach at a high school uh, with his skills of computer science or go work in industry. And is he going to make as much as industry? Um, You know, how, I don't know. I mean, I personally think um, being a teacher is just one of the more, you know, underappreciated vocations and just roles in society that... Um, I think not even close to being compensated enough. And I think that's a very common sentiment, but um, Mm -hmm. I'm not even trying to say a teacher should get paid the same. I'm trying to say they should get paid more because not only is this person hopefully good at computer science, right? Good knows is knowledgeable about his area, but he is, he is trying to actually multiply this knowledge in the minds of others. Right. And that has this very large, I think, hopefully, exponential factor right maybe you can inspire other kids to be more teachers and then you have a point where sure this person could have gone and started the next apple or microsoft but um but then where does where does that he starts a company but it's still filled with men you know it's still filled with you know uh you know you know what i mean like you're not really and i can see it from maryland's perspective as a state that they want to have the education i think the whole point was to like bring Silicon Valley to the East Coast or whatever. Um, I think that has a big part of it is jobs too, companies and jobs to be in the state. Mm -hmm. So that's, they're looking out for the state's future as well. And I totally get that. And I think that's very practical, but I just have a concern about uh, the real commitment to this in terms, you know, not just in terms of computer science education, but education as a whole with teachers and compensation and, you know, how do you define oh, yeah. high quality? Um, I don't know. I have so many questions about this bill. Like, it's a hole in the pod. Yeah. Like, how do you? How do they track? How are they planning on tracking this bill? Right. Like, 2021 to 2022. Every public school. I guess you can easily measure. All right. How many schools do we have? How many schools offer computer science courses? And then you can kind of track it that way. But. I mean, what is high quality? And I fortunately have been very lucky, and I think I had a very good teacher, and she was a big part of why I decided to go into computer science. And honestly, I mean, we, you know, we re- recently switching around jobs. Um, I would honestly consider teaching at a school. I love to teach. Uh, I love interacting with, you know, people. Um, but I don't know. I mean, do you think I'll be compensated enough? <laughs> well, we all know the answer to that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's like, man, the benefit I get from like being happy in teaching is just not enough. <laughs> you know. Um so anyways, um yeah, the 7 million dollars that they put towards a bill, that just sounds like a drop in the bucket for a whole state. That does not seem like much money. Um, and then I'm also curious how they're going to do high quality, what high quality means. I mean, if they're going to put computer science cl- uh, class in every high school, 
by 2021 or 2022. I mean, that's, uh, I don't know. What's, what's the model? Exactly. What is the model? I think, so like my fundamental thing about all this is I think they need to take a computer science approach to teaching computer science. And I can almost guarantee you. So they should just Google it? Kind of. Kind of, June. <laughs> yeah, you're laughing, but it's kind of true. Like, I think your independent study was the, uh, one of the most truest expressions of how this class would make sense. Like, you have to have someone there who, like, keeps an eye on them. But at the end of the day, I would have it be, um, like, a level of effort grade. And they can't know that. <laughs> Maybe you have, like, fake exams and crap. Um and, and I guess the, the thing is, I would also want these classes geared towards the AP exams so that they're well, like, recognized by colleges and whatnot. But, um, like, have the AP requirements as, like, the background. But the main, the main focus of the course is for students to collaborate together, um, which is hugely important in computer science. This is the one example where it's okay to, like, quote-unquote, cheat right like you need that all be working together towards a common goal and as long as mm-hmm. like no one's completely slacking off which is of course extremely difficult to monitor but mm-hmm. you i think you have to do it in a collaborative uh environment working on a long-term project not just like onesie twosie uh examples to like demonstrate things like you can do those things um but i think at the end of the day there has to be a one overarching um program to get them excited about like a little bit bigger scope project um that they're applying their skills to and i think that's the only way to really like capture what computer science is about because at the end of the day as much as i want it to be inclusive and people to um have the opportunity to learn computer science i don't want it to be an incorrect representation of what it actually is which is this collaborative working on something trying things out you never tried before um, experimental falling on your face a couple times before you get the final product, but then feeling that satisfaction when the product does work. Um, these are all things I think you need to simulate in the class. And we don't do enough of that, I think, in education where it's kind of built to be a uh, real-world experiment and not so much like focused towards a test. Like I think it's important that they are able to prepare or have the opportunity to have materials to help them prepare for the AP exam. But I think if you're focusing it um, to just being another course, another way of learning a subject, taking quizzes and exams and all that kind of stuff, um, you kind of blew it. That's not really going to actually produce what you're looking for. It's just going to be another course that they took and not an experience. And I think that's the the biggest thing. If you want to like captivate people and have them, continue in computer science i think you need to grab them fundamentally and they like they're excited about this course this is a course they go and talk to their parents about at dinner you know that this is the oh what did you do in computer science like that was the class they were excited to talk about and i think the only way they get excited is if it's not just your run-of-the-mill class anymore it has to be defined by them they get to figure out how they want to do it uh in a way and and it's it's student-led in a way i think that's extremely important hmm. yeah i was thinking about I think uh, very related to what you're talking about. Basically, how do you normally balance, you know, standardizations and measuring students versus, you know, actually promoting independent 
you know, teaching independent thought, independent study, um, I, I feel like ideally it would be both, you know, you can, uh, you can have a way because I mean, you still need a way to measure students independently, right? <laughs> you have to be able to still tell your good students apart from the not so good. Do you? I think so. I think that way you can at least work on the students who are not doing as well. You can help them get better. I mean, yeah, you want to be able to to identify that. But I think uh, teachers are able to see that. They're able to observe that just in watching the dynamics. Like they don't they don't need to have a, a formal test to see that. Sure, but I think when it comes to reports, you know what I mean? We're we're going all the way to basically, you know, for example, it, what's a report card supposed to be like? Do we need grades? I mean, like uh, I mean, you're asking some like fundamental questions that I think have been long entrenched in our education. And I think they're there for a reason, though. You know, like, I think grades and all, it's a whole system, too. I mean, how do you get into college? How is a college supposed to uh, make decisions on who gets in, who doesn't get in? I mean, there's so many factors, right? They need, you can't possibly interview every single applicant, right? Have a face-to-face interview. But you know what? There's one field. (laughs) There's one field in particular where you can buck all those trends. And it's actually computer science, where you don't actually have to have any of the formal education at the end of the day if you show up in an interview and you show a a github repository of all your work and you clearly know what you're talking about and you 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 quiz them on a few things or whatever and they're impressing you you don't even care where they came from you just don't and i think it's the number one field where people come off the street and like become computer scientists and the fact that we are surrounding it all this uh, academia dogma of other fields, I think is a huge limitation. Um, it's, I mean, I love the fact that people are getting formally trained. I was formally trained, etc. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if they know the stuff, they know the stuff. And this is the one field where it can happen that way. And I think we should exploit that and we should embrace that and not, um, and not bring it through all the same, all the same crap that they have to go through in other professions. I feel like, that's a little too narrow of a way of thinking about how someone learns, right? Like if you take a step back and just think about how do people learn? How do people do things? I think the type of people that that you just described, someone who is proactive and independent enough and is sparked by their own interests to do, do this thing, to go and, you know, make their own projects, have a GitHub repository, do whatever all these things are, that is probably not your typical person. And a lot of people just from a learning, you know, perspective, they, they're going to need guidance, they're going to need some help um, to get to a certain point to then maybe for them to launch, and then become more independent. And that's probably a different point for many different people. Um, some are earlier, some are when they're, you know, eight years old, 10 years old, and they're already googling around and writing code, right? Some are much later in life. So I feel like just I don't know. I don't want to disregard um, formal education just in that sense, because I think some people do need more formal education um, in a more, you know, rigorous type of academic setting. Um, I don't know. And then to the point of like grades and stuff, I don't know. I feel like there has to still be a way to differentiate one computer scientist from another 
um, that very quickly, right? Differentiate very quickly if you're reviewing candidates or for either for a job or for a university, you know, or a PhD or whatever, like without, you know, going through their entire, uh, you, you narrow it down, right? By standardized metrics like GPA or whatever. And then you can start going into in the in your shortlist. Then go into like their GitHub. Then go into the projects they've done. Um, all these other things. But you can't possibly. You still need some way, some type of metric. And it's a little. I don't know. I think it's a little too. It is kind of sucky that you gotta enforce this whole you know standardization to do that. But that might just be the only way. I'm not. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not sure. I want to take a step back and I, I want to acknowledge that I agree with you with uh, the nurturing side of things. And that's the biggest thing. The number one thing that this bill needs to focus on is increasing the representation of um, minorities in computer science, in my opinion. Like we keep saying he for the teacher. I want to say he or she. Like It sounds like you had a she teacher, which is awesome. Um, and I also think we have to bring this opportunity of computer science to every single zip code. I think that's ex- extremely important and I like that part of the bill and I think it's it's supremely important. Um, I guess the biggest place where we differentiate is I am I'm thinking the biggest the biggest way that you could mess this whole thing up is by mandating it to fit some sort of cookie cutter mold that is um, just opposite of how computer science is. Um, and that's I guess the biggest thing that that I struggle with is it's not a course. It's not going to be most effective taught in a traditional way is my, like, I guess, grand thesis. And if you're trying to make it just like any other class, um, all you're doing is making yourself feel good that you made a computer science class, but you're not making the kind of impact that you could make is if, if you made it a computer science native uh, kind of course. Sure. Like thinking about, and I think that's like the part that gets me the most is I don't want it to be constricted and limited in its potential because we're wrapping it in the traditional sense of, of, of these metrics. Junior, bring up a huge problem that is not, I think, in the scope of this show. We'll have to talk about it another time, though, because it's something I really am fascinated about, too, is we have all these standardized tests. We have report cards and we have all these things so that colleges are able to make um decisions on who to bring in and it's the only way to do it at the scale they have to deal with i agree but it's an awful awful way of actually selecting talent uh, and like providing opportunity because there's so much that's captured in that in that gray area that is not captured by grades and by test scores and it's it's just kind of a bummer um how the that we haven't figured out a way around it. And I don't have a solution. I don't know if there necessarily is a solution at that scale that isn't just like kind of numbers weeding out. And then maybe you, like you said, you can curate from there, mm-hmm. but it's just unfortunate that any numbers are involved because, um, which I think gets to like providing more opportunity just in general to people, like the more opportunity we can provide, um, for people to exp- like learn the things they want to learn and, uh, get into the careers they want to get into the, better our overall like social economic state will be because us um limiting who can go where and learn things um just based off prior uh successes um and metrics is, is kind of a bummer i know it's like me being super pie in the sky ideas but i think if you don't have these pie in the sky ideas that you're going after and like chasing 
then what are you really trying to solve for? It's like you have to you have to go for the go for broke <laughs> and and reverse from there how to get there versus accepting it can't happen. It's like what if it could? What if it could happen, June? <laughs> I I don't know. I think if I just look back at my own anecdotal kind of you know evidence based <laughs> and uh, experience, I, I guess um, it to me it's always been a mixture of my own independent work as well as formal education that I think has formed me into the person that I am with the skills that I have. And even now, right? So even you, you go to classes right now to your, whether it's your master's or classes at work, you know, that kind of educate you on a certain topic that you don't know about. Uh, whether or not you need to take a test or not, eh, yeah, that's arguable. But I, I do agree, like at some degree, at some point, I would much rather... I think it's more effective to have someone, you know, make a project of whatever they want instead of, I don't know, quizzing them, right, on an exam. What's the difference between, you know, what's a reference? What's a pointer? Like, define it, you know, like, no, like, ask them to use it. Ask them to use it, you know, like, yeah, um, that I think is much more effective. And I think that's what you're probably trying to, uh, that's how I was interpreting what you mean by when you say, you know, um, the kind of pit that or trap that you know standardization can often create which is really just how well can you memorize things (laughs) um yeah not really what can you do i think the interesting takeaway of this whole conversation is that maybe computer science is different and maybe the way that you teach it um should be approached differently because of the fact that it is so accessible um, because of the fact that it's so accessible with just a computer and internet connection. It's like, okay, you don't need to have mm-hmm. all these labs and all these mm-hmm. um, things. How can we use that to our advantage? Um, we don't have to have those big black tables in the chemistry course, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. stuff. Like, you just need a, a desk with a computer. And there's there's just a lot of stuff that, you know, you pick up that you otherwise... Uh, I don't know. You have to just either learn through experience or maybe a class. I don't know. I mean, things like really simple stuff, like um, how to write good comments. I think you're getting into an interesting, another interesting topic is like, what's the point of this class? Is the point to inspire you to go and take more classes where you can worry about all this other stuff? Or is it the point to um, say everyone learn basic computer science? I mean, I think at the end of the day, like you can achieve both. You can achieve both, but if you don't worry about the first one of inspiring people to take more of it, um, then you kind of blew it because this the single class isn't going to do it, so to speak. Yeah, I think it's 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 a really interesting. I'm glad that they're doing it. I'm glad they're taking a crack at it. I wish I could be involved with it and trying to help uh, <laughs> help us. And I and I again I say that, but like I I could. You know, I think it's still in the early stages. And, and if you look at the bill, which I will include in the show notes, um, you can actually see that they're teaming up with some organizations I actually have some connections with um, to create, um, I guess, the the curriculum and the board. So I might actually try to see if I can get it uh, into this. And because this is like huge, this gets into my what I want to do with my life and like my my guiding statement, I think it's still on my LinkedIn, is to inspire the next engi- the next generation of engineers to do things beyond my wildest dreams. So like, at the end of the day, like one of my core things is it's all fine and good whatever I do in my career and and accomplish. But if I'm not 
generating interest in others and creating a pipeline to have more and more uh, engineers and, and scientists thinking about hard problems and, and whatnot, then I failed. That's not what I can do in my limited time on this earth um, is not that interesting to me. It's more so what can I do to, to generate uh, people who outlive me? <laughs> you know, I think, yeah, I think um, you and I, not, are, not necessarily from yeah. like a having kid perspective, but like, <laughs> how can I make um, impact in other people's lives? And, and, and importantly for me at least is um, underrepresented folks, be it um, minorities in underprivileged areas or, or, or women who just traditionally aren't in technology. Yeah. Uh, th- those are like the places that I want to focus these efforts. So yeah, I got a I got my, a story. High horse of <laughs> no, I think I think you and I are actually kind of sim- are very similar in that regards. Um, you know, there are people who just want to make things right, um, and that's kind of what they want to do for their life. But I think you and I both I, I think have more of an inclination towards um, education, like pedagogy. You know, like actually teaching. Um, I just remember like quick story. Uh, I was a I was like an undergraduate TA um, for uh, like intro to Java for for two semesters actually for a lot longer but anyways I would I would have these like you know office hours in the lab and I just remember this one uh, student she was um, what we call the hotelie so my school they you know we have a hotel school that probably narrows down where where I went to school but. Um, but basically, she was a hotel major, not engineering at all, but she decided to take this Java class, intro to Java class, just for the heck of it. And she was like, you know, she struggled a little bit, um, uh, having no, really not much like foundation. Like you said, she wasn't one of the, just the geeks that came in, right, with like all this knowledge. So she came to my lab pretty frequently mm-hmm. and um, we, you know, I helped her. I tried to do a lot. Uh, as much as I can to like, you know, um, not just get her to pass, but get her to be interested, right? Like you said. Um, And uh, the crazy thing was by the end of that semester, the last like, um, I guess it was the last uh, office hour she came into, um, she told me she decided to switch majors and go into computer science. Um, And I was like, what? No way. Um, so I was pretty blown away by that. And then and then it gets even crazier because when I was at my company after graduating, um, two years out, I went to a new office, a different office, same company, and guess who I saw there? I, the student of mine. Oh, no way. I was like, I was like, no freaking way. Like, I, you know... I, That's awesome. I'm not the only person, obviously, that, that like, influenced her along the way. But I was like, man, I was there at the, the stage in your life when you made a very important decision to change, basically, what you do for for the majority of your life. You know what I mean? Like, and for me to witness that and, and right. thankfully, be a, even be a part of that, it just felt so good. Like, it felt better than any anything I've made or done. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Well, I was a I was a TA as well um, for a class that was meant to, and like some of the, the stuff I'm saying kind of generates from this experience. Yeah. We were trying to create a um, an introductory to computing course that wasn't major specific, so you could go into you know information systems or uh, business administration or computer science or computer engineering, all from this one course. And we were taught like the way we taught it was this big long project over the course of the year. It was a little bit more self discovery, and we learned a lot because 
a lot of the students, like you've mentioned, uh, are used to these more um, test-based um, metrics of how to grade themselves. And we did it's not that we didn't have those, but what was much more important and much more interesting to us was the work that they did in their groups and the project that they created. Um, so I did it for two years. So I got to watch like the iteration of how we, we modified it. So we, we introduced more of those, um, I don't know, standard computing or like, not like computing, sorry, standard, um, classroom aspects, but it still kept that core tenet of explore, exploration. And for every person that we didn't touch, so to speak, of like get them in the computer science bug, we did get a couple. And like that's what matters, in my opinion, is we got a couple that weren't thinking about it that way before. They were kind of just taking this class as like, oh, let's see. And they got captured by it. And that's all that we could ask for, right? Is getting them interested um, after not being so sure and taking this course as kind of a speculative ad. Um, so that was good. Yeah. yeah, I was, I've been, I've been like trying to crack this nut for a while. So when I saw this article, I I thought like, oh, this is like kind of something I've been thinking about for a while. And I don't think I have all the answers, obviously. I think, and I think that's the you know, most interesting part about this is no one does. We kind of have to just mm. keep experimenting, keep trying and we'll see what works. But, um, I want, I want Marilyn to be bold and at least try, uh, something a little different hopefully yeah i think at the end of the day this is going to be a good step so june i want to first off hope that you had a good christmas do you have any new toys did you get the wallet i got the wallet it's pretty cool all right (laughs) nice (laughs) i actually been seeing a lot of ads for that wallet on youtube now and i'm wondering if it had to do with me searching it the one time or if it's just like they're on a marketing blitz they've been on a marketing blitz I don't know how much money they spend on all the marketing, but yeah, you see it everywhere. I mean, that's how it got. I, that's how I notice about it. But the wallet is actually really well made, and it's pretty high quality. I think um, it feels a little funny because, um, well, it's carbon fiber on the outside. That's the outside plate is carbon fiber, and like to mm. someone who doesn't know what it is and they touch it, it it would just feel a little plasticky, you know. I'm like, actually, <laughs> it's uh, not plastic. <laughs> it's a very lightweight and strong material. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. That's funny. And then I don't want to geek out about what carbon fiber is. I was like, all right, it's just a wallet. <laughs> I didn't get it. I think it's actually pretty entertaining. Um, Rachel's parents got Rachel a food processor, and I'm going to probably use it the most. And they got me an espresso machine, which I think Rachel's going to use the most. <laughs> Wait, espresso or Nespresso? So. Nespresso, ah, the latter with pods. Yeah, all right, with the pods. I feel like that that that, that appeals to uh, Rachel's um, coffee drinking habits more so than mine. This is completely working against your goal of of getting her. I mean, you had her making her own AeroPress, didn't you? <laughs> I know. I this, actually is, this would this. be a huge backward like, step. Oh Alec. no! This would be a huge backward step. I, I know. I know. I was like, oh no! Now that this has been introduced to the household, I'm like, a loser. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a loser. Yeah. Uh, but that's okay. Hey, whatever makes her happy, right? Whatever makes her happy and caffeinated at the end of the day is uh, what matters. But yeah, I might be losing a, a brave AeroPress soldier. I wonder if you can get. Uh, you probably have to stick with the pods that you have to buy. Because I was thinking, like, one of the reasons I stopped using my Keurig was because <clears throat> I want to stop throwing away all that plastic junk. Um, and then I, for a while, tried, like, with my own little Keurig-like cup that you would fill with your own coffee. And then it's reusable. Right. But that thing just produced 
crap coffee. And, and then there were brands of coffee that you can basically actually recycle um, with the pods. So you use it, and then after you use it, you basically disassemble the thing, dump out the grinds, right? And then there are parts <laughs> of it that you then put in a recycling and parts of it you have to throw away. But then the kicker is that the I learned a little bit about recycling that day because I had no idea there were all these different um, types, categories of recycling, and not every region does all of them. In fact, like very few uh, will do yeah. all of them. Um because you need the facilities to be able to handle many of these types. And the type that these K-Cups were coming in was not handled by, like, the Baltimore County recycling. So I was like, God damn it. You know, like, <laughs> every effort I had to try and make, like, um, like a fast, cheap way of getting, like, coffee, which is Keurig, to work was just not, you know, to try and be environmentally conscious as well. And I was like, all right, whatever. I'm just going to stick with my AeroPress. So Goals resolutions yeah goals resolutions do you want to go first or me yeah i guess i can go first i think um uh the podcast i mean i want to make this podcast better um yeah and you know you <laughs> you do the majority of the work honestly but um for both of us i think we we i'd like to be able to i think we share these goals but you know to actually record on a timely basis you know i think you said 26 episodes a year uh, but basically bi-weekly that is our goal. And then for me also to try and do better storytelling, uh, I need to work on that. Um, that actually takes more, a lot more work than just kind of, you know, just chatting. I mean, you have to actually yeah, speaking off prepare. And right. It's not like writing a script, but, you know, you really do have to prepare. So I, I need to do better at that. Um, and, you know, both of us would put more time into that as well. So um, and then... For me, uh, it sounds weird um, and a little, maybe a little selfish, but I would like to work a little less in 2019. Um, I feel like I've worked a lot, especially towards the end of last year. And I don't know, I would just like to be able to live, like I don't know, balance my life better, if you will. You know, I got two kids. I want to be able to be with them um, at this point in their life before it's too late. Oh, of course. I've been I've been advocating for it. I'm like the biggest uh, fan of this uh, of this plan. So <laughs> I, know. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so I think that would be very big. Um, so and then my final goal would be to uh, lose some weight uh, with an actual goal of getting below uh, 200 pounds. So we have that mutual goal, man. My goal is 199. Yeah. I mean, I think like that's uh. So I clocked in at one for uh, 215 yesterday. So I didn't quite make the goal of of two pounds a month, but I did do twenty pounds, and I think that's worth talking about yeah. and being excited about. That's so, still really good, man. Yeah, it was good. I had some I had some setbacks at the end of the year that you know, like injury and stuff like that was holding me out of the weight room. But also, like <laughs> I just also slacked <laughs> off. Or you mean Thanksgiving? You. So it's like <laughs> Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> these well, kinds of setbacks too. <laughs> I had some. I had like a hip. A hip oh, issue yeah. and then like i told you i sprained yeah. my wrist so like I've, I've had like a collection of things that are kind of sent me back but um the biggest thing is just get back in the routine and i think i was doing a decent job of that near the end mm-hmm. of, the, of the holiday season mm-hmm. so like you said it's a good time to recharge and like figure out things and get get back on the horse my weight's always fluctuated between like 200 and 220 and i feel like if i could get below 200 for me it's like breaking the sound barrier it's like i've never gone below 200 it's like 
Obviously, I've been below 200 pounds at some point in my life, but uh, getting back to below that number has just been, uh, yeah, it's been hard. I share that goal, man. I will say like challenging, do these challenges with Alec. Like, I think that's helped both of us. Yeah. June's been the winner each time. He keeps sneaking them. I feel like I'm about to snipe him every time. Like, I'll uh, I'll like put on a great showing that last day, and I'll be like, oh, he won't catch me. And then he'll beat me by, like, four points. And I'm like, no. Well, that's the thing, too, is um, that the last one that I beat you at, I, d- I, thought, I thought you were going to win. Because I went to the gym, <laughs> even though I didn't quite – you were so far ahead of me, I didn't quite expect that I would pull up and win. And, of course, when I finish – um, you know, it always takes a while to update the points and update all the stuff and on the Apple watch. So w- by the time I was leaving the gym and I checked my points, I was still behind. So I was like, oh, all right, Alec got it, you know? And then next thing you know, you texted me saying I basically, I won. And I was like, what? And I checked again. Sure enough, <laughs> my points were ahead. And I was like, wow. Okay. <laughs> hey, it's been good though. It got me in the gym a couple more times than I probably would have otherwise. And, uh, that's all we can ask for. Yeah. I, like with this injury, I didn't tell you that I had sprained my wrist. So it's like even running's difficult because of the the bouncing on it. Mm. Um, you you don't realize how much you use your wrist until you you mess it up a little bit. Um, yeah, but I hope that gets better. Yeah, I'm sure it will. It's getting better every day. It's just yeah, a matter of good. It's pretty fresh. It's like three days old at this point. So mm-hmm. for me, it's the podcast. Same same goals as you. Um, same weight weight loss goal, like almost identical. Uh, breaking that sound barrier, as you said, and um. My last goal is just to be more creative and uh, and continue, and also continue with like proper money management techniques because um, we're trying to do some some debt payoff this year. That's like one of our goals. Mm. I mean, obviously we're still saving for the wedding, but also debt payoff. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So we we have all that set up and ready to go. It's just a matter of following the budget and seeing if we do well. So nice. Um, we'll get into other topics. There's other things that have happened since the last time we recorded, but uh, we'll <laughs> we'll save it for another time. 